We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. I don't know what's more dead, the Yankees offense or Scott after a bachelor party at age 42. Scott, what's up? Way too old for this shit. Way too old for the shit. I planned this one, so my brother, shout out to my, uh, shout out to my brother who, here, I'll give you a, a good little story. So we started doing, uh, in 2019 or 2018, when did we start doing the, the chapters across the country? I know they've cooled down a lot as COVID cooled a lot of things down on our back end. Um, but the Denver chapter is still meeting up. They, they hang out. And I met um, a guy, Josh, and my brother, Tim, who met at an event, first one of their one of their first events in, in Denver. Now Josh was on uh, my brother's bachelor party that we threw in Boston and is going to be in the wedding. So pretty pretty cool little uh, little little story there of two people getting together. Just a couple just a couple dudes loving the Yankees, you know, just a couple dudes loving the Yankees. But um, yeah, so that was uh, it was it was a lot of fun. So I planned this one, I, I, you know, for my brother. He's getting married next month. Um, so I was, I was also in like, you know, organizational mode at the same time, but the two of us got up there a day early and we had a couple, you know, we hadn't, we hadn't hung out, uh, one-on-one in a while. So it was, uh, couple we two, had a three eleven drinks. We had a few and, uh, you know, just shooting the shit, making sure we're catching up as, as much as we can. Um, it was a lot of fun though. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I we hope were, it's my last one. We were, we were contemplating recording the finale of the Jeter episode on Correct. Friday morning. I texted yes. you maybe 10 o'clock in the morning. And right. then I got a text back maybe 1145. Yeah, I'm dead. So, so I, I pretty much wrote you off for the weekend, which is what I had uh, assumed anyway. But we are going to yeah. be uh, hopefully uh, it doing was a, a, the Jeter episode. It was a good assumption. Yeah we'll, yeah, we'll we'll catch it later in the week. We'll do a grand finale. Um, but it was a, it was a good assumption. But you know what I did see? I saw IKF's first home run as a New York Yankee. The 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 only game that was worth a damn. I saw the <laughs> Thank IKF God I was game. at that one. I saw the IKF game. The guy was uh the guy was on fire. So that was cool. That was a nice little thank you from the New York Yankees to me because I have been an IKF supporter thus far. Yeah, that was a, a really exciting game. Obviously, IKF getting getting his first home run. You saw the dugout kind of like cheering for him because it was like an inside joke within the clubhouse and everyone was pumped up for him. And then he had the 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 great squeeze or safety squeeze in the ninth. And I loved the call by Boone there. I thought that was the absolute right decision. Team has been struggling so much with runners on base to get anything done. You can't even assume like oh, a sack fly or anything because this team has just been struggling so much. So I loved the call there. 
But other than those two moments, like, holy crap, was this a disastrous weekend for the Yankees against the last place Boston Red Sox. So you loved the aggressive nature of the call when it worked, right? What? I lo- no, I love you lo- that you, you recognize the aggressive nature of the call. When it is works. a safety squeeze really the most aggressive call? Yeah, it's it's no, it's it's a bunch. No, in today's game. it's got it's safety a- in the word, Scott. Come on, come on. We all know. We all know that it, safety it's like is- safety school that you apply to that, you know, it's like, OK, if I don't get into my if I don't get into the Ivy League school, I'm going to go to my safety school. Yeah. Uh, safety squeeze. It's OK. Pretty much with squeeze- IKF with IKF. Batting, safety squeeze better be well over 80% success rate. The word squeeze is still in there. So when you have the word squeeze, it is a bit of an oxymoronic statement. And uh, no, it was the right call. It wasn't was a, a good suicide call. squeeze. It wasn't a suicide it was a, squeeze. It was a good call. It was, and a good call. it was the right guy. It was the right guy. You have a guy yes, who can exactly. handle the bat. That's how you do it. And that's and that's the beauty about having a guy like that on the team. It's you have flexibility in what you can do when game situations come up. And I promise you. Things like this will happen in the postseason, and we're going to be much happier that we have a, a few guys who can handle the bat in a, in a way like this that give options. Because sometimes you don't have the options, unfortunately, with some with some guys up at the plate. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a fun, exciting game. You didn't have the options Sunday night. Michael Walker just shoving the bats down the right. throats, like not even opportunities to score. Friday, they had plenty of opportunities to score, especially early in the game off of Ivaldi, and they couldn't cash it in. They went one for 10 with runners in scoring position. The offense scored the only two runs early in the game and then just went dead. And it was pretty much dead on Saturday and Sunday too, aside from IKF carrying the offense with those two plays on Saturday. I, it was it was an extremely disappointing weekend for the Yankees. Like you can't, you've been struggling. They've been struggling. I, I think I saw Brian Hoke tweet last night that the Yankees have not won consecutive games this month so far, and they're now three and nine. It's like there there's absolutely no consistency in any facet of this team right now. July has has vomited into into August. This is no longer a a one month skid that we're looking at. This is, I mean, if you look at you want the line in the sand is is pretty clear. You can make the All Star break the 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 line in the sand if you want, and it makes it a, a clean narrative to talk about. The team's been terrible since they've, uh, you know, since they've come back from the All Star break. They've made the additions that we we've all agreed that they were, you know, one head scratcher, but the rest of them good good moves filling in voids that this team had, um, and for whatever reason they're they're just not playing well because the rest of the team has uh, fallen asleep on the offense. That's that's what's crazy about this is that the offense has completely fallen asleep. And and you're looking at the stretch, and I keep hearing, and I know it's true, because it is true, all good teams find this stretch. All good teams have to go through this, this big stretch to to um during a season. And this is what we're looking at. This is this is it. This is that thing. So if it is that thing, then then cool. <laughs> but if it's if it's a larger if it's a larger piece here and, and you're not we're not seeing how they're coming out of this beyond just like playing better. They have the guys. They just need to play better. That's it. I mean, I don't understand that there's no other crazy solution around this. They just need to play better. They have the they have the talent. I I remember last year when they went through that winning streak in August, we were skeptical of it because the team had been so bad to that point in the season. And we're like, we need to see more sustained success here for us to say this team has turned a corner and can do anything and make an October. And then we did. Then we did. We saw, we saw some sustained success last year. We, no, the first half of the year after the the long streak. I thought, isn't that what you just said? I said last year when the Yankees went on that winning streak in August. I, I was you. kind of I thought I you comparing... meant the streak we had earlier in the year. Got gotcha. you. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, and we we learned last year that it was you know the team got hot for just like any team can get hot for, for a short period of time. I did not think three months basically call it April May June of dominant baseball to start this season was a fluke. Because I didn't think you could play that well over that long of a stretch and it have it be a fluke. But now I'm not saying it was a fluke. I'm just wondering, is that just not the real team and that they have come back down to earth and that the real team is somewhere in the middle between first half, which was a 700 winning percentage, and the pitching staff was going deep into ballgames on a consistent basis. The offense 
was hitting with runners in scoring position and doing the right things with runners on base and finding ways to scratch across runs when they need it. The bullpen, if the starting rotation struggled, would pick up. And then if the bullpen was struggling, the rotation would pick it up. Like every part of the team was picking up the other parts of the team. So on any given night, if you had something struggling, well, guess what? The other two components, maybe the defense would make a nice play to win a game. Now, what we're seeing is those those facets of the team are bringing the other things down. Even if you get a good start, the offense is going to go out there and score no runs. Or if the offense puts up six runs early, the pitching staff can't get through the fourth inning. So it's like now you're just, it's a complete coin flip from what we've seen. So is the team this bad? I cannot logically sit here and tell you that because guess what? They've been one of the worst teams in baseball the second half. Not just bad. One of the worst teams in baseball. I don't think they're one of the worst teams in baseball. But what if they're somewhere in the middle? Just a you know a decently good team. That's not so that's sh- not what we want. That's not sh- that's not going to be satisfying to anyone after what we saw in the first half. Shouldn't we be doing the 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 same thing though with the winning streaks at this point? I mean, I, I, it, it's I think that's where that's where we started with the when the losing started when July was going on. That was our mentality is like. Okay, this is the opposite of a winning streak. This isn't the way the team is. They got to get through it. Exactly what we think of during a a long winning streak. Okay, can the team sustain these these success? This this team is not is not the as bad as they are. You're absolutely right. And the balance that we saw early in the year, because that's what that is. That's balance. If you have one person doing a bad thing, you have another person pick you up. Balance is a good thing. The team still has the balance on paper. They're just not executing it. And I understand there's some injuries that have happened, but I, I'm still in the mentality. And, and I know I've it's it's gone longer than I wanted, longer than I expected for sure. But I'm still of the of the thinking that this team is going to bounce back in a very big way because they have they have all the pieces. They have the pieces to succeed. They do. They 100 percent do. They have the pieces to fill these gaps, to have that balance, to pick each other up. And for whatever reason, right now, it ain't happening. It just ain't happening. The the guy that that couldn't get uh that basically couldn't throw anything but a strike first half of the year can't throw a strike can't you know can't get through a clean inning, um and you know you see the the lineup up and down just sputtering. Whereas earlier in the season, you had everybody else picking you up. Everybody's in a struggle. Yeah. So you're referring to Clay Holmes. Clay Holmes has not had an appearance since July seventh where he has had zero base runners. Every single appearance since July 7th, at least one person has reached base. So he's been in messy innings pretty much for a month straight. And in that time, his ERA has gone from 0.47 to 2.39. Now, if you just looked on the surface of it, 2.39 ERA is pretty pretty damn good. But he was unhittable in the first half of the season. He Every time he went in the game, it was a 1-2-3 inning. Like you, The teams couldn't touch him. Now he's hitting guys, he's walking guys, he's throwing wild pitches, and then a, it, guys put the bat on the ball, and, and you saw it on Friday night. Like no, it's not like they crushed him, but they put the ball up the middle and they put the ball in play, and and he blew the save. Unless Clay Holmes goes back to being a dominant closer, I'm not confident that this bullpen is going to be good. Okay, there's too many question marks in that bullpen. Aroldis Chapman's been better, but he's still a giant question mark. Efros had had the nice save on Saturday night, but there were two runners on, and he's going up against Devers and Bogarts. That was that was a f- kind of fortunate to get out of that unscathed. Okay, if you're if you're Efros, loved it, but can't count on that every single time. So if we're just talking about the bullpen specifically, I'm very concerned about the bullpen. The starting rotation, we have seen massive inconsistencies. In, in in this stretch, okay? E- even from from uh, Garrett Cole, who, who's had terrible starts, right? He's had great starts. He's had terrible starts. Tyone is another guy. So the stat last night that they were talking about, he went from the best walk rate in baseball to the worst walk rate in baseball, okay? And then didn't walk anybody. Didn't walk anyone. But, but we saw that the last time he pitched against the Red Sox, six scoreless innings. Then he went out his next three starts and stunk up the joint. Like, where's the consistency from him? So, well, you're not, look, I mean, he's, I, I, I think he's definitely turning a corner. He looked, to me, looks a lot better. The, but you're right. The consistency is not there with the starting pitching. But again, like it was so freaking good early in the year that it's, uh, 
our, 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 our eyesight now is, is expecting it to get back to that. And it's, it's not, can it it's be 75% of that? Because it's not been, it's not, it's not even been half as good. And, and can the team win if it's not that good? Right. Not if the offense is sputtering, the offense has to come back and do the, the offense has to be a juggernaut. The offense has to be a juggernaut one way or another. And we can't expect this pitching staff to be what it was in the first half of the year. It's just unrealistic at this point. So the Are you offense confident needs, the offense is going to be a juggernaut? I, I other do than, it, other than Aaron Judge, who's been yeah. great all season. LeMay, who's been great. I know he's he's going through one right now, but he's he's been yes, I do. I absolutely expect I expect this this team to be able to put up big numbers. And, and I expect them to be going going right by the, you know. Uh, I expect them to be going right right now, of course. I look at the people in that lineup. I look at the balance in that lineup, and there's no reason why they shouldn't be. There's no reason. I mean, they last have, night's lineup was kind of like a, a B line. Uh, yeah, that, anytime that was, you anytime you have a – this, you know, anytime you have a defensive replacement in center field to start the game, it's not good. You know, it's not good. Nice that could play, be a good though. defense. Man, good nice defense. Play. Good defense looks looks lost at the plate. Though. I can't wait a, to see Bader. Bader's going to be so far and away better than the Castro. We're just going to be blown away. I hope he better be. <laughs> he better be because that's part of the reason why everybody's freaking out. Because if the pitching staff isn't there and you just sent away a guy who's oh by the way two and zero oh, and shoved against us uh, with Jordan Montgomery, then we're going to have big problems. So yeah, uh, Bader better be everything that Jacoby Ellsbury was not. <laughs> that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting like you know, the, the, the highest level of production from this kid. But, um, yeah, I do expect this offense to, to be there. Stan, I know is, is, is starting to hit again and, and should be back, but they have the bats. They have the balance. They have the, the, the home run hitters and the guys who could set you up. They have what they need to succeed on the offensive side. So it's a matter of just putting it together and executing it at this point. And if they don't, it's a failure on their end. One guy that I've been, uh, dreading when he walks up to the plate is Glaber Torres. Um, I just feel like his at bats are getting worse and worse by the day. He's miss, missing pitches by by feet. Um, and he had, he was like uh, in my mind a surprise in the first half. Um, but but I just think the quality of his at bats are degrading, and he's in key spots in the lineup, and he's just he's just killing them in, in big spots. I think Glaber. You know, we've talked about Glaber in the, in the past, and it was funny. I don't know if you caught. Koch caught the uh the um the the broadcast last night it de- I, I think it was the main broadcast if you were watching that because I know the K-Rod thing was on which we'll talk about which had some awesome awesome awkward situations but um he was he was mic'd up and they were talking about the second base I mean first of all mic'd up in the middle of in the middle of gameplay I'm like all went right okay, past him hey Glaber can we can we can we focus on the game please can we please focus on the game? Like, this is cool. I like hearing you talk, but I really want to win more than I want to hear you talk at this point. Um, but but yeah, so the inconsistency with him, you see when the rest of the lineup is not playing well and he's put in a position where he has to produce. It's almost like, well, you're going to move the shortstop. You have to produce. You're this guy. When he's supported and he's got the 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 big guys around him and he's got that middle of the field approach. Then that's good Glaber. Good Glaber is when he has a cast of characters around him who do well. If he is put in that position where he's he's got to be a guy that 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 has to support this team more and carry this team and more and hitting you know closer to the top of the lineup, that's when I think we see him pressing. He gets between his ears and he starts pressing and his mechanics fly, and that's something that he's always we've always talked about his you know mental mental approach to the game. I'm going to be very nice when I say that mental approach to the game. And that sometimes there's, it's lacking in, in how he, you know, there's the focus or the prep, whatever it is. But to me, when I, when, when he's in a situation that we need Glaber Torres to produce uh, through the lineup and he's a bat that we're depending on, that's not a good situation for this team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the law, the absence of Stanton is becoming even more glaring, glaring that it's, it's a huge hole in the lineup. Uh, I know he's going to be taking batting practice this week. They they need him back desperately. They need Rizzo back to being good Rizzo again at working back from injury. And then I agree with you. If you get DJ who's dealing with a toe injury right now, you get DJ recovered from that. Hopefully, like hopefully that doesn't linger because you know anything to do with do. You, anything to do with your foot like can be can can be serious and that, that can ruin a season, right? So I used to I used to make fun of uh, foot or uh, turf toe like 
early days of fantasy football, if I saw turf yeah. toe, they don't even call it that anymore. It's called plantar fasciitis. It's it's a it's essentially a ripped tendon in your foot. Like that is not fun. And he's got a toe thing. So whether it's some inflammation of a of a tendon or something like it, you use that a lot, and you use it to set up your swing. And he was talking about he he wasn't able to yet recently hasn't been able to get through his swing. And your lower half is an essential piece of what you're doing. It gets your timing. It's your power. It's all everything there. And uh, you could see what one for 18 or, or when he had a quarter zone shot, I think um, around the all-star break. So hopefully that this is something, I don't know if you can get a quarter zone shot this soon again, maybe he's coming up on it. So hopefully they could get, get that back because they need a consistent DJ LeMayhew. We, you know, when he's in there being a consistent guy with the other big bats around him, this lineup is, is, is nasty when you see uh, when you see a, a good DJ at the top. Yeah, if you get DJ, Judge, Rizzo, Stanton as the four horses at the top, and I still like the idea of Benintendi somewhere mixed in there just because he adds a nice di- di- dynamic to the lineup, even though he has not really produced like he did in Kansas City yet for the Yankees. But so you add him as, as a fifth. D- I think Donaldson just is what he is at this point, right? Like, I'm not expecting Donaldson to do much more than he has done, which if he's hitting sixth or seventh is okay. But when he needs to slide up and bat third or fourth, you're like, okay, man, like, what are we doing here? Like, this this version of Josh Donaldson isn't going to get it done for the Yankees right now. So I agree with you that I am most confident out of anything that the offense can get closer to what it was in the first half. Certainly more than I have in the rotation or the bullpen to get closer to, to what it was in the first half. Because I just think they're absent bodies in that in that pitching staff to get back to that. Um, and and so unless the offense scores five runs a game consistently consistency, which they have not, yeah, they've averaged five runs. But it's like they score nine ones run game and then they get shut out for three games. It's like, I'm sorry, that's not a good offense. I don't give a crap what the average run says. I watch it with my eyes and you cannot go into Boston and score four runs in three games, five runs in three games. You can't do it. That's not good. That's not a good offense. No, it's not a good offense. And you're right. Donaldson is the, is, is what he is right now. But he's also one of these guys that, that could be what well, he gets on streaks as we've seen recently. You know, he, he, uh, he started to to barrel up yeah, well. Okay, road he's, trip. Yeah, he's playing good defense. So you're you're right. You're that's what you he's get. Fine. The thing with he's fine. The thing with him is that if you can sandwich him between some 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 very good bats, he's going to get a lot more you know fastballs on the zone. People are going to uh, attack him. That's when you could see him actually have some impact because if he's if he's getting good pitches uh, between two guys, now Josh Donaldson becomes a much more you know dangerous hitter. Whereas you, you just have to expose him. And get through him because there's no one else that can support, uh, you know, in the in the lineup. So his his success is is really directly affected uh, by people out of this lineup pretty significantly because he's definitely not the player he used to be offensively. So he needs those fastballs over the over the plate for him to uh, for him to eat. Um, and, and then you're the right, if Glaber's of- in a more supportive position at that point, and he's 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 at in uh, you know five six seven if he's in that spot. I much rather like that is exactly where he should be at that point. You you put him in between uh, Benintendi somewhere back to back. Like okay, now now we can now we can do something right. But having Stanton back is is a is a big piece of this because that's a huge bat in the middle of the lineup that is missing right now. Yeah, and if the bottom of the lineup is some combination of Glaber and Trevino and IKF, like I'm I'm confident with that bottom of of the lineup. Yeah. Um, but uh, they have they had I'm just looking at the the road trip stats. They went two and seven. They were shut out three times. They had Not two good. hits or less in a game twice, and they lost five one run games. The five one run losses is again the complete opposite of what we saw in the first half of the season, where they figured out a way to win all of those one run games and two run games early in the year. And now what we saw is on Friday. Clay Holmes blow the save. And then the Red Sox had not won a game. They were something like 0-45 when losing a game after eight innings. And they, and, and they obviously came back and won that game. That's a mind-blowing stat. To, to, to never have... They hadn't come back all year in the ninth inning. And they came back, won it, won it in the tenth. So the Yankees found a way to give the Red Sox that game. And then Sunday's game was just a, a, a complete 
non-show up. Like, completely didn't show up. Yeah. And that that was their first series win in the AL East. Is that that they 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 have not they've been won they, a, the Red Sox have won been a crushed series. by the AL East. I'm I'm getting sick of the Red Sox, you know, breaking these egregious records against the Yankees. This is this is not this is not uh what I want to see. Look, I, I will also say that the the Red Sox team, the the quote last place Red Sox team, they're not a typical last place team either. That they still have an offense that can that can hurt you at Fine. any moment. Michael Their Walker hadn't pitched there. since June twenty eighth, and he just comes off the IL and shoves, just absolutely shoves. He looked good, like not. I don't. I don't want to see him look that good. He looked like a Corey Kluber two point But he, the, the Red guy, Sox the guy are can, a traveling circus. They've got pitchers falling off of bicycles. They, they, they're they're a complete mess. Okay. Yes, I know they're not a last place team in the same sense that like the Detroit Tigers are or something like that. But you can't go in there, score five runs, and lose two out of three this weekend. If you're the if you're supposed to be one of the best teams in baseball, no. But if they're if if they're you look at just the AL East alone, you look at where where they are. They're two games under five hundred. I mean, that's like you know a couple of games out of first place in the Central. Like, I know they're they're know. they're a team. They're a team that is if they get hot, it, they could be a problem. They they could I, even even this far out. They're fifteen and a half games out of first place, and I'm saying this. Because it's true, if they were to sneak into the into a, a wild card spot, they could be a problem. Anybody in the I'm not even going to put Baltimore on this list because they're young and dumb and hungry and they're and they're playing good baseball. Anybody on that list and the AL East gets into the playoffs, they're a problem because there's a lot of there's a lot of good offense. Um, and do you think that Boston could figure it out? Put together, put a couple uh, of their of their shitty. Uh, starting pitchers in the bullpen, and all of a sudden they catch a hot streak or pick up some jackass off the street who's played in every team in the AL East, and then become Babe Ruth in the playoffs. Like it's happened before. I don't You've think that's going to happen for them this year. No, I, I don't think not. that's going to happen because I'm getting this. When I was there, okay, I was there on Saturday. And I was I, I didn't you I didn't like that the feeling I was Scott? getting. I didn't like the feeling I was getting. The, first of all, the playoff it was a playoff atmosphere again. I was yeah. like, they're in last place. This place is packed. Um, a lot of Yankee fans. Yeah, a lot of Yankee, lot of Yankee fans. Yankee fans. I saw that, there was a, a bunch of uh, "Let's Go Yankees" chants that were very loud, and uh, but yeah, it was a. Uh, I'm just glad I saw the game that they won. That's that's the, that's the biggest <laughs> thing. I'm glad I saw the game that they won. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The the Sunday night broadcast. So when I saw that Jeter was in the K Rod lineup, I was like, all right, I got I got to see this. I got to oh, yeah, flip over. I must see TV. Uh, so I was watching the game with my dad. He 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 kept telling me to turn back to the main broadcast. He couldn't handle it. But we're watching over there, and the game's going so fast, and it's like you're just watching the awkwardness play out on TV between Jeter and A Rod. It's like, oh, A Rod's touching Jeter's leg again. I don't know why again. he keeps touching him, but he keeps touching him. Um, and, That's and what then Bevan all, said, Bevan's like. What? If he touches, if he touches Derek one more time, so, you can just tell Jeter like anytime 
he wouldn't look at Alex. Like he, he would just like look straight ahead. It's so obvious he hates the guy with a burning passion. And every time he was touched, he's like, "His fucker is touching me. Stop touching me. Stop. stop touching, touching me. me." I love when I love and and by love, I I it's so cringeworthy. It's so um, I get nervous <laughs> when I'm listening to it. But when Alex like all of a sudden he goes. Oh, I got a story. I'm like, oh no, what's he going to do? What is he going to say right now? Because you know, Jeter's like, shut the, shut the fuck up. Don't tell your story, whatever it is. Nobody, I do not want to hear your story. And A-Rod is like, oh, we're the chummiest of chums. We're the best of a friend. Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cringeworthy. Like his story about the bachelor, about the uh, the refrigerator, he's like lucky right, charms. Right? Tell lucky them, charms and orange. Tell juice. them, tell them about the refrigerator, Derek. Tell them about the refrigerator. Cheater was like, dude, I had a personal chef that never happened. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I was home. I played professional baseball. We play on the road a lot. No, so milk in my fridge. But what what the what Jeter and the A Rod thing did was it distracted everyone from the fact that the Yankees were doing nothing in the game, and it was such a quick game anyway. I think Jeter was on from like just before eight till like maybe eight forty five or something like that. And when he was off, the game was basically over. And so you flip back because the, the, the K-Rod cast, like I haven't watched a ton of it this year. I know you, you liked it when Clemens was on earlier and I know he was on again, but I feel like they didn't show the game enough. I mean, which was fine because I wanted to see the awkwardness. Like I was frankly more <laughs> interested in that than the Yankees going down one, two, three against Michael Walker. But by the time Jeter was done, it was like the seventh inning and the Yankees were basically on their way out of Boston. It was like, what the hell just happened here? Yeah, it was fast. I mean, it's a, it's definitely the second thing. It's a, it's a, they need to make the, I mean, I don't know if that was because Jeter was on and it was just, I think uh, it, it was, was, it was, I think it was must see TV. So the, the, the game was like a small little thumbnail, uh, but they definitely need to make it a, a bigger piece of it. They weren't even talking about the game at all, like at all. What was um, there to talk about? Nothing. There's nothing happening. Yeah, exactly. But well, did it was, you hear it was, Jeter it talk good. about Judge? That like, because that was yeah. like I think one of the first questions was about Judge because a big part of the documentary was Jeter's contract negotiation and his dealing mm-hmm. with the front office and stuff. So he spoke, you know, he's and then he becomes a front office member. He becomes the CEO, so he can speak to it from both sides, which very few people can. I thought those were. I mean, I thought. It was interesting. I, I I found the whole thing interesting. As all, oh, it's, all equally equal parts awkward, equal parts interesting. I mean, if Derek Jeter's on TV, we're going to listen to him talk. I, I don't know. Like this is this is the guy is, is is the Beatles for us. You know, he's he's the guy. But when when they were asking him about uh, when Kay was asking him about Judge, I wanted that to just keep going. Like, can we, can we keep talking? Can you tell me? Can you, what else do you think about Aaron Judge? I wanted to hear everything, and and he did ask him. Oh well, if he reached out to you, would you talk to him or something like that? And he gave some some like you know Jeter answer to it, and and right there I was looking I was looking for body language I was looking for anything and Jeter doesn't give you much he does he doesn't give you anything he's staring straight ahead doing his he literally answers the questions exactly like he did in 1996 in in the uh, in the clubhouse uh, I couldn't get a tell didn't sound like they had talked but I still don't want to believe it I still I, I there's got to be conversations between those two guys behind the scenes. I don't think so, much. man. Like, I really don't think so because Jeter's not going to go out of his way to reach out. Jeter, I mean, even... But I could see Judge reaching out. I could see Judge reaching out. as a Almost as a respect. It's It, it feels like it's, it's like the lineage. It feels like... Obviously, Judge grew up and had seen a lot of Derek Jeter. There's no doubt about it. If you, you can't listen to Aaron Judge talk and not hear the influence and, and similar tone, similar cadence, similar, take a beat, answer the question, take a beat, answer the question. Like the cadence is the same in the way that they talk. There are a lot of similarities in the way that they handle themselves a lot. Yes, there are. So, but so, so you think that is judge trying it to, it could be from just watching. It could be from just, you know, seeing Jeter over the years and, 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 and watching how he does a certain thing. It could be that it could be from people around the organization that have, you know, maybe there's, they've adopted this Jeter-like uh, approach to media in some ways. Well, there's captain's there camp. They, they have the yeah. captain's camp where they basically, you know, invite prospects that are, you know, hopefully going to be serious long-term members of the organization. And, and part of it is media training and, and PR training and stuff. And didn't he years ago when when Judge and the guy and, and that crew was coming up, 
didn't he takes uh, a bunch of them out to in Tampa? Uh, oh, there was, was a the, there was a picture. It was there was a picture. I, I remember. I remember like I know Higgy was uh, Higgy was there. A bunch of those guys that were coming up that were still on the team. Ref Snyder, I think, was there at the time, and they all and and Jeter took them out to. Um, uh, so this was before he there was a there was like a Jeter the dinner and then there was an A Rod dinner I think A Rod huh? A Rod's was at the strip club G- Jeter's with with the, Clint Frazier yeah yeah um this so this was before Jeter did the whole Marlins thing I believe so if my memory is correct <clears throat> so, so that yeah, would have been find any proof of this that would be would that have been 2016 yeah that feels right that feels so right the year that that ju- Judge and Sanchez and everyone came up came up yeah. I think because they were in, they were all, they were in big league camp, right? Or at least most of them were. Some oh, so of this them was were. a spring training thing? It was I, spring I, training. I don't have any recollection of this. I don't. Yeah. It was spring training. But the, um, so, you know, there may have been an initial connection there that, that potentially had grown. But I mean, just again, the way this Jeter's is, been talking. Like, just the way I want it to happen. He, uh, you know, we're not going to go too much in, into the documentary, but like Kay asked him a lot of questions referring to the documentary, obviously, because it was an ad. It was the ESPN ad for the documentary. That's, that's, why, he why, that's why he was there, right? Like You can tell. He's like, I, listen, I'm only here because I'm contractually obligated to be here. And then put a shirtless picture up of me, and I literally I, will come back. And then they did. He's like, no, really, I'm not coming back. <laughs> I was like, if you do it do. now, he's he's legitimately not ever going to go back to this. So, haven't you been watching the documentary? So This is exactly what he's been talking about. You just I did find him. it funny. He hates you now. That when they were talking about it, A-Rod was like, yeah, like I was like, first to take my shirt off. I wanted to be in the picture. And she was like, I don't know if I want to do this, guys. And they're like, no, 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 get in, get in. She was like, okay, this is really stupid though, but okay. <laughs> yeah. It's the uh, pure pressure of of, uh, of Derek Jeter's career, taking your shirt off for a photo shoot. Um, but then he was asked about Old Timers Day as well. And he, and doesn't sound like he's ever going to play an Old Timers Day. He did not. He did not say no, though. He did he not never say, no. say never. But yeah, A Rod's yeah. like I'm not. I don't even get invited. <laughs> yeah, he's even Jeter's face when A Rod is saying things that are 100 percent true and horrible and just like very obvious and awkward that he's like, you know, saying about himself. Jeter goes straight face, just straight face, just like looking. There were a couple. There were a couple nose scratches which I picked up on uh, from from Jeter, which is you know a pretty good sign of like I'm not answering this the right way or I'm giving you a little bit of a verbal diarrhea answer. So he's a little out of practice because there were definitely some tells. Yeah. I, I, it was, it was, it was really awkward. Uh, and I guess just distracted from, from the, the terrible finale to, to the weekend. Um, anything else you want to touch on from, from the weekend series? I guess the, the Chapman appearance on Saturday, uh, lucky, I feel like to get out of that seventh inning jam, when um, Bogarts just ran into an out because he had Chapman comes in, hits Verdugo, and I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, oh dude, here we're, we go. I'm in the, I'm in the stand sitting here like, are you? Here we go. Like, this is this is my nightmare. This is my nightmare. Or all this Chapman, we see him warming up because we were right behind the bullpen, warming up, and then he comes in. I, so I didn't, I couldn't see that play, it, uh, the where he ran into it, but the fact that. We got out on the base paths with Chapman pitching. It was like, it was, it was, it was Christmas because that shit does not happen ever. It's usually completely the opposite, and people are just taking advantage of everything that they're doing. Yeah, and then also after the game, Boone said he didn't want to go to Holmes in that spot, meaning the save situation. Do you think that is him? Just, uh, you know, is this has? Let me rephrase the question. Yes, Holmes, we a, yes, we have a committee by co- okay. a closer by committee. Yes, I was going to say that, has that Holmes lost yeah. the closer role, and now it's just whoever is either freshest or pitching the best or whatever scenario you want to say. Yeah, I, I don't That's know if he's scary, lost. I don't man. know if he's That's lost scary. the role. That's bad. Chapman's been pitching much better. I I don't think it's the worst thing having a closer by committee when you have these guys. I I don't I don't I, think I, it's the worst thing. It never works. Find. One scenario where closer by committee has worked. You're, 
obviously I'm not going to be able to pull that out of my brain right now because my brain doesn't work that way. But that doesn't mean guys can't step up into roles like we've seen in the postseason. But a lot of times starting pitchers have gone and stepped up into roles in the postseason. Not consistently though, not being like that. No, but the big time moments that we've seen, I think, you know, particularly in 2018 with the Red Sox and then 2019 with the Nationals, we saw their starting pitchers. Kershaw's done it. Yeah do heavy lifting in the bullpen, whether it's a throw day or coming back, uh, you know, a day later because, because it's the playoffs and you just, that's not what we're talking about. No, though. we're not talking about that. We're talking about on a nightly basis, Boone having to make the decision. Okay. Is it going to be Chapman tonight? Is it going to be Holmes tonight? Is it going to be Wandy tonight? Is it going to be, I guess you throw Efros into that mix, right? Like, are those the Britain's, four guys? Britain's, Britain's flirting with coming back. I mean, he's, He's okay, out there, like, uh, you know, with some timetables here. That he's a month that away, away. Mac, a minimum month away. Look, here's the thing. I got, I got, I feel two ways about this. I, if you, if you're in a position where a guy has lost a spot in the in the ninth inning, that's not great, right? Because clearly he did that for a reason. But he was also in that position, kind of out of the blue. Nobody expected uh, Clay Holmes to be the closer of the first half of the year, and then just you know grab the position by the balls. Uh, and and now we're talking about him not doing it because he has come back down to earth. But if you have the opportunity now where he's pitching, you know, maybe not first half Clay Holmes, but but you know something similar to that. He's 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 being he's got to clean up the messy innings. He can't be walking guys at the rate that he's walking guys okay. and expect to to get outs. You can't. But you can't listen, have. You can't save if you games have, if you're walking one and a half guys per. Of course per not. Inning. Of course, that is Rawls Chapman. You just described Rawls Chapman. But if you have a Chapman pitching uh, effectively, if you have Britain come back, these are guys that have been there, done that. That's my point. If you have that, that that's not a bad thing later in the season as long as everybody's pitching decently. The the, the thing that makes me nervous is now Boone is making the decision yeah. on a nightly basis who is facing whom. And yes, that could be a good thing if you're looking at the matchups because then you could play a matchup game and now you're like putting out fires with the people that are best to put out that particular fire. And, and these guys, in theory, are all... Closer quality to have the ability to do that. So on paper, that could be a good thing if they're not if they're going well. But that's a lot for us to look to Boone for, to be honest. Like a lot. And that's just putting him in a position where we've seen him struggle. We've seen him struggle in those spots. Any manager that that is a uh no win scenario for a manager. To to, mean Buck Showalter the opposite. Let's not throw somebody in when when you should. No, but one of the reasons that closer by committee does not work is because the manager has to be perfect. They have to get the correct roll of the dice every night. And just even if the matchups say the correct, you followed the book. The matchup said this. He, uh, uh, player X has a uh, better split against a right-handed batter. And we've got three right-handed batters. Like every statistic in the world says this is the right matchup to go. He just has a bad night, right? Like, he just has a bad night. Like, what do you, at a certain point, my, throw your hands up. What are you going to do? And now when you're making three and four bullpen decisions on a nightly basis in one, two, and three run games, the likelihood that something is going to go wrong is almost a hundred percent. It's going to just go and, wrong. It's going to go wrong. It's, it's inflated when you look at the end of the season and the playoffs because you're now you're facing the best competition as well. So you're you're throwing in all these different variables against the best competition in the game at that point and with the highest stakes. Yes, something's going to go wrong. So if you don't have that dependable person who is, you know, who can lower the heart rate, who can go in there and and take a situation for 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 what it is in the playoffs. But in theory, you have three of those guys. If Britain's back, if you have three, three of those have guys, if you have three, you have none. I, I don't believe that fully, but I understand the sentiment. Yeah. And it's like you saw Holmes come in. The, the first pitch he threw, freaking backstop, okay, on Friday night. Wandy starts Not, not a Randy up. Johnson, like, I'm going to throw it to the backstop. Not a purpose <laughs> to the backstop pitch, an accidental to the backstop pitch, okay? Right. Yeah. So Wandy starts warming up. I think he's ready for the second batter of the inning. Now, I didn't expect Boone to go to Wandy right away because – Th- that's almost that's almost saying uh, even more than letting Holmes out there and just blow the save in a way, right? Like, yes. isn't pulling him after the one batter being like, well, you can't be trusted anymore. Like, you can make an argument that that's worse. But at the same time, it was 
painfully obvious where, where that inning was going with Clay Holmes. It's true. And, and, and that, that's the type of situation because the guy you're, you're calling on too, it's not like he's a sure thing. You're not calling in your closer behind that guy. This is the guy that's supposed to be closing. So you're really in a, in a no win situation. Like that is a, that is a position for Boone. I, I, I understand. I would, I would have stayed with him too. I, I, I would have stayed with him too, because if he's able to execute, we know what he's capable of. He's the best pitcher in their bullpen. If he's, if he's executing, uh, so you can't just take him out and then, and then they need him. They need him to yes. do well. So he yes. needs to stay That's and figure it saying. out. He needs That's to figure it out. They need Clay Holmes to be the closer or else this bullpen is doomed. What if Zach Britton walks up and he's just like, you know, I think it's too much. To young ask Zach for. Britton. I think it's too much to ask for coming back from, from it is a lot to ask for. It, it's, it's not what they're asking for. Uh, but if he, but if he does, can he throw a couple of useful innings in, in, in September? Sure. Like, I don't, I don't doubt that, but, but you cannot, I don't even think it's fair. For I don't agree with that. Britain I don't agree this. with that. Uh, no, because if he's coming back and he's healthy, he's healthy and he's throwing, then he's going to be put in high leverage situations. If he's healthy and pitching well, he's going to be put in high leverage situations. It's not going to take long for him to get to the back of that bullpen quick. You know he's going to get back there quickly. So if he's healthy and and he's throwing like we're like he's throwing like you're you're saying expectations just because your your head's like this guy's been hurt for a long time. He yeah. went through a, a a big injury. But if he is healthy and and throwing, they're not going to bring him back premature. Well, they don't really care. He needs to prove that he's healthy for his own contract. This sake. is not what I'm saying. I'm I'm not doubting that if he comes back and is healthy and pitches well, that he'll be in high leverage spots. Like fine, I agree with that. I'm saying it's. I, we cannot sit here and add him to the mix of guys, assuming he's going to be in high leverage spots in September sure. and October. Sure, I, I, that's fair. That, so you that's my I mean, only. You point. can't expect anybody to come back from injury that they are going to be a a big piece of this. They have to prove it first. They have to show like, that they're uh, able to execute. Another massive variable here is Luis Severino coming back and sliding back into the starting rotation. If that does not happen, where is this team? No, it's a very valid point. What if Severino doesn't? What if he? What if he is not uh, effective as a starting pitcher in the last month? You put him. Do in they the put him in the bullpen? Yeah, and yeah. then you go. You've got Cole Montas, um, Tyone, and Cortez, Cortez as your four starting pitchers. And I mean, obviously, Bitter, Harrison I've, Bitter better be winning MVPs in every in every postseason. Uh, series. Obviously, yeah. Cortez would slot ahead of Tyone in a postseason series, but like at that point, like hey, who who even knows? Like what what does it even matter? Who's starting game three? Who's starting game four? Like a lot of times, you you flip flop that based on matchups, based on if you're home or on the road, based on if it's a a winner go home or not. Like so so I mean, we know it's Cole. We hope it's Montes. Like, what do you think of Montes's second start? I I thought he was okay. He lost command in the fourth inning, uh, hit batter, walk, wild pitch, all in the fourth inning. It's kind of like, okay, like just it escaped him for an inning, which was kind of alarming. But yeah. obviously he was better than his last start. Yeah, it was good. I mean, it was hard to, I was, I was uh, in right field. You were, you so were trashed. Was, just say you were trashed. I wasn't actually totally trashed at the game. I was, I was in control at the game at that point. But um, the, the Thursday, the Thursday trashing was my regulator for the weekend. But the, uh, he looked he looked good from the stands, but yes, he had that that inning where where he he lost control and uh, you know you don't like seeing that, but it seemed like I don't know he he does feel like the guy that 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 can handle this this uh, this type of pressure. He does feel like that guy, just you know gut check here. Um, so I expect him to be you know pitching closer to what we saw in Oakland very soon. Uh, but he's they're, they're, they have to depend on him. He's there. He's there. Number two, starting game two. He's there. Or number two, game one, depending on how the, uh, how the um, schedules line up. Yeah. And what scenario would he start ahead of Cole? Uh, if there were, I'm saying in the, later, deeper in the playoffs, I mean. Oh, like if Cole finished out a series. Correct. Yeah, sure. Yes. Got it. <laughs> I thought you meant like first game of the division no. series. That's <laughs> doesn't matter how bad Cole is pitching. Just like didn't matter that he probably had a hamstring injury last year. He was starting that wild card game because when you got to, to borrow the, the Mariners closers phrase, when you've got a $36 million pitcher, guess what? He's pitching the first game of the playoffs. The guy that's the guy that to me is uh, you know if we're looking for the quote X factors at this point it's still the guy that I that I thought was going to have a, a big year in the bullpen who just hasn't 
is Johnny Luizaga. If Johnny Luizaga could figure out his mechanics and, and shape up, like it, may, it, it makes such a world of difference. It makes such a world of difference if he can figure it out. And uh, there's still there's still time for him to figure it out because if he's healthy, there's no reason for him not to. He is still very puzzling. It's very puzzling to me. I was I was talking about this over the weekend and kind of getting into some arguments with the guys about this. There's no reason why he shouldn't be pitching well. If if Johnny Luizaga is healthy, there's no reason why he shouldn't be back up to this high leverage guy who they can depend on. There, it, it makes no sense. It's mechanics. And so I think that if he's able to, sh- to, to clean up his mechanics and, and, and there's still time for this, then, then he could be another guy that's, you know, we'll see end of this month, beginning of September, shape into a, a much more dependable, a much, uh, a guy profiling as someone who we thought was going to be a very large part of the end of this bullpen. Yes, you you keep mentioning the names, and it's like yes, they should have a, a good enough bullpen, but but none of them have pitched well or have the resume, you know. So it's like you've got Loizica, who we were hoping was going to be a major part, who hasn't pitched well this year. Chapman has obviously been injured, and he's had struggles, lost his closer job. Holmes has burst into onto the closer scene this year. And now looks like he's he's pretty lost and, and, and pretty helpless on the mound. You you've got other guys who are good, but you're not going to say are my my highest leverage guys in in pitchers like um, uh, Wandy Peralta. Like he's been a very valuable piece, but he's not he's he's never going to be their closer that they're relying upon. Lucas Licky pitched after like 14 days. That was cool. I'm glad glad to see we're. Using the guys on the team that are on the active roster. You think he had to you like know, knock on Boone's office and be like, you know I'm still here, right? Do like, you remember me? I know I have a mustache now and I look a little different, but I, I do. I'm on the team. I'm in the bullpen. I know you don't come out much, but I'm out there. It's like, you guys are still putting me up in a hotel room. Like, am yeah. I not supposed to be here? Like, what's going on? <laughs> he's, yeah. And, you know, if, uh, not to say that he's a high leverage guy by any means, but He's a serviceable lefty out of the pen that that should be passing the baton. <laughs> it's like he shows up to the team hotel. It's like, uh, Lucas, lucky us, sir, sir. We don't have a room for you. Oh, okay. I guess I finally got sent down then. He's <laughs> always wait. He's opening the locker. It's like big league or major league where he's opening the locker, like looking for the slip. Like, <laughs> is there uh, Bull Durham? Yeah. All right. Well, the, the Yankees got a, a tough stretch coming up. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the homestand, and we're gonna do it using WinBet, which is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. They bring the excitement of the win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. From boosted same game parlays to live in game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer: bet fifty dollars and win two hundred using code XBLUEWIRE. Not an easy homestand. Tampa for three, Toronto for four, the Mets for two. It's a tough stretch, and when you when the pressure is on you, as it is, I mean, it's not really on them in the in the division, but the pressure is on them to correct and right the ship. That's where the pressure is. The division. It's amazing how the division hasn't gotten any damn closer because everybody else is just like sputtering, sputtering along, uh, and, and it's still t- what ten and a half games. I think it was last time I looked. It, it's uh, ten games. It, Toronto ten games. barely closed the stretch, so the Yankees have been playing like garbage for for three straight weeks, and I think Toronto picked up like a game and a half. So it, yeah, exactly. it's just like it, it, if Toronto had trimmed it to seven games, then it's like okay, well, well now now you can get nervous because they take three out of four this week at Yankee Stadium then it's obviously a race. But the fact that it's still 10 games and the Yankees have been this bad, I don't think Toronto's catching them. No, they're 3-7 three, three and seven in their last 10. Uh, Yankees obviously 2-8. and eight. And then everybody else in the middle of the pack, you know, 6-4, six 6-4, and, four, six and four, Baltimore, and then Boston 4-6. and six. So no one's making that run, uh, at least yet. But Tampa's going to come in with a massive sense of urgency. Massive sense of urgency. They've been banged up all year long. So I, I really don't... Tampa is not the team that, that we thought they were going to be. And a lot of that is because of injuries. Uh, they've they've been banged up. There's no doubt about it. They've been playing hurt uh, probably more than any team in the in the division. So, but there's a sense of urgency there, hundred percent sense of urgency. Uh, and you know they believe that they can come in and and win games to be there because right now they're what half a game out from the wild card. So everybody in the division is playing for that 
first and second wild card, essentially, with Seattle in the mix as well. And Minnesota, Chicago, whoever doesn't win the Central, also going to be in that mix. So there's going to be a dogfight for those, for those wild card spots. And if the Yankees don't start playing better, they're, they're in the middle of that dogfight, maybe not directly, because they have the division, you know, in a in good in a good hold right now. But these teams are all going to be fighting for their life. And I I looking at again, I, I keep going back to Boston, probably just because I was there and I felt the energy in that place. When you have a place that gets that energetic, it's like you're never out of a game ever. And and they did such a weird things at the deadline. They still retooled in a way. Like you get Hosmer, that's not giving up. You you they got they got guys who can help them win. And, you know, we, you get a Waka back and, and the way that they play with that with that annoying chip on their shoulder all the time because of their manager, it's like they're not out of it. So you're gonna you're gonna see a dogfight, you know, not for the title probably of the division, but they're gonna be right in the middle of it. They're gonna be right in the middle of the fight between the five teams that are going for that second wild card. And yeah, and the last thing you wanna see is the Yankees just limp to the finish line. And and, and then I mean, the, the, I, I saw people comparing because I think they they remembered this from the Jeter documentary, the 2000 Yankees limping to the finish line. They actually finished September like under 500. I think they won like 89 games. And it's like, well, that team turned it on. Yeah. The team that was going for its fourth championship in, in five years turned it on. Got it. Yep. They, they, they had the ability to flip the switch. Okay. Please. It's true. Oh, okay, fine. But you don't, you don't choose to struggle. You're saying they flipped the switch. They didn't choose to struggle. They just, you know, know they, they felt the time was they right. They're like, it's choose. They saw struggle. the bat sign up and they're like, okay, I guess I got to start trying now. No, I mean, they're, they're not they're trying, trying in but there. they had confidence to one, sure. you know, didn't matter that they were 10 and 14 in September or whatever they were game one of the playoffs. It was nothing, nothing. And we're going to win the series. Okay. I, I don't know that this Yankees team is that mentally strong to where if they finish the second half of the season, Below 500, which is how they're trending. Okay, it doesn't matter if they still win 97 games. If you if you're if you're 30 and 33 in your last 63 games, how are you confident going into the playoffs? This was part of the the going back to the Jeter doc, that 2014. This is what he was talking about. A similar, not not to the same degree, but I mean, shit. We were talking about this team as a 1998 team a month and a half ago. Awesome. Uh, but when you. Yeah. When you look at uh, it, just that's, that just shows you how ridiculous and analyzing baseball yeah. in the middle of a season is. That, yeah. Right there, it just it means nothing. <laughs> we every, we are all just emotionally spouting into to mics and yelling at each other at bars because we see what is in front of us in that given. Can moment. I have a quick that's aside? It. I went on to uh, a buddy's pod, Colin. So he's been on our show before. Uh, he's got a, he's got a podcast, two jocks and, uh, and a schlub. Okay, <laughs> he talks baseball, and they asked the question. We went around the room, and they said, "Is this team better? What what, what team is better? This team? This was, I believe, in like early June. This team or the nineteen ninety eight Yankees?" Out of the four of us, I was the only one who said the nineteen ninety eight Yankees. They all said this team. Come on, and, and I was just like, "Are you are you guys all fucking insane? Like, what is going on here? It's yeah. June first. Yeah, they also bought." Dogecoin, uh, you know, when it was like 50 cents because it was exciting. It was the next, next biggest thing. The, you have to stay. That's the thing. You got to stay as a fan mentally strong to stay sane because you will get, especially in baseball, you go through this roller coaster of emotions of greatest team ever, worst team I've ever seen in my life. Smartest manager. This guy is a complete moron. Dumbest person I've ever seen in my life. And you go through those. And yeah, there is an in-between. There's an in-between. And you look on paper and you see what they're going to be. Like this team's, this offense is good. They have a good <laughs> offense. And they're going to play well soon. It's going to happen. I just confident. So I watched the weekend games with my dad because I was, I was with my family this weekend. <laughs> He's just, he's on another level when the Yankees are losing, specifically to the Red Sox. He just starts calling Aaron Judge Han Solo. I'm just like, what are you doing? He's like, it's Han Solo. Can you, do you know why he calls him Han Solo? He calls him Han Solo because he gets frozen in a, because, because he's the sidekick. What is it? Because he only hits solo home runs, according to my dad. Jesus Christ. So there's nothing else behind it besides that? Just that. There's no, no, there's no parallel to Han Solo. The no, character. He's just spent 20 minutes. He's calling him his Han last name Solo. is Solo. 
I'm just like, Dad, you're out of control. He's yelling Goonie. He actually says Goonie, so now, now I know it's not a typo. It's just he's calling him Goonie. I'm like, my mom's just sitting there when the A-Rod Jeter thing was going on. My mom went on like a steroids tangent about how A-Rod's never get into the Hall of Fame. He was horrible for baseball. Him and that freak Barry Bonds ruined baseball. I'm just like, what bizarre world am I living in right now? Anyway, I, I it was a weird weekend. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember my weekend, so there's the tale uh, too. Anyway, we've got some voicemails. We've got, I think, like eight or nine voicemails, which I'm very pumped to listen to. Of course, whenever the Yankees struggle, we're going to get some voicemails coming in. So if you guys want to fire up the voicemail line, maybe the Yankees will start winning some games on, on this homestand. And you can call being excited on the voicemail line, 646-480-0342. And you can submit mailbag questions. You can do it on the website, bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast, or shoot us a, a DM to at Yankees podcast. Anything else you want to talk about, Scott? Need the homestand, man. Need need the uh, need the good juju right now. Need the good juju and these guys to figure it out. I think they will. I think they will. What what better time than against the Tampa Bay Devil Rays? How much more time before before you're not confident? Because you already said if it's August 15th, you, you I don't know if you remember. You said if it's August 15th and they're still struggling, I'm, uh, I'm going to change my tune. And it's August what's, 15th. What's today's date? August 15th. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I guess today's the day. Because I, I, I got to – I'm not – it's not like I'm I'm, I'm waning confidence because I'm just expecting this offense to wake up at any moment. And if it doesn't, I'll still be confident in them because they, they are the same players. They – there's no reason for them not to. So um, they need it for their own sake. They need to turn around for the fans sake. They need to turn around now so that we can, you know, stop, pull, you know, having our head in the gutter. Uh, so I hope for all of our sake right now is when they, and is when they start this homestand right here is when they start. It's, it's a huge homestand. It really it is. All, all tough opponents that have beat you recently. Uh, the Mets have been on fire. They've got a better record than you right now. So yeah, it, it's a massive homestand. They're playing unbelievable. They, I mean, they, yeah. and, and with with Degrom and Scherzer at the top, like you don't get better than that. You literally, you don't, you don't get much better. Than, you know, you don't get better than that. Yeah. That is no. elite. If you've got a, if if they have a healthy Degrom and Scherzer in a playoff series, I, I, they should be favored in every playoff series. Yeah. So it's crazy to say that. Crazy to say that. All right, we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Believe it or not, George. Isn't at home, please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? Believe it or not, I'm not home. Can someone please explain to me why the fuck we have to deal with Albert Abreu giving up another lead? When we could have had Ron Marinaccio, who hasn't given up a fucking run in 19 innings. What the fuck? Why, like, fuck Boone and his love affair with Albert Abreu. Kid has a fastball, but can't seem to know where to fucking throw it. And instead, we have a guy languishing in AAA, along with Clark Schmidt, by the way, who would have been a better option. Rather than Albert Abreu, who's given up a game against the Cardinals and the Mariners in the last seven days. What the fuck? Dear Lord Almighty, can we finally, can we do something about this stupid base running? Jesus Christ. Fuck these guys. Fire the base running coach. I don't know who the fuck it is. I hope he doesn't have a job tomorrow. I mean, I don't even know where the fuck to start. Hey, 2.30 fucking 2. I got working less than six hours. First and foremost, fuck the West Coast. We know this. We knew this. Secondly, that was maybe, if not the second worst game I've ever seen in my entire life. It was the worst game. Okay? That game sucked. Everybody sucked. The Mariners broadcast. I don't even know what fuck I was listening to that shit. I had to stream it. Everything about that game sucked ass. And now I gotta somehow fall asleep after watching that atrociousness. I, I'm almost positive 
I could have went up to plate and swung better than half those fucking morons that swung the bat tonight for the Yankees. We are in deep, 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 deep fucking horse shit right now. Hey, Pinstripers, this is Eric from Syracuse. Uh, not too much to say after that disaster. Uh, you guys can speak on it more eloquently than I can in the podcast, but uh, Andrew, you might be too young for this, but an old head like, uh, like Scott will get this reference. Uh, the only thing I can say about this team is they're on a first-class ticket to nowhere. See ya. Torres and, and Duhar are a bunch of frauds. So I am done with Jonathan Weisiger. He's absolutely horrible. There's no reason to give this guy meaningful innings ever if you have Marinaccio and Schmidt in the minors. Marinaccio, he's the eighth inning guy. He's the second best. He's one of the best options we have out of the pen. And we're giving innings to Jonathan Lewiska, who's, I don't care if they think he's going to get better or he's been showing potential. I don't care. He's horrible. DFA him. Get him off my team. I never want to see him again and bring back Marinaccio. I just, that's unbelievable that he's pitching in this game. He should never pitch for the rest of the season. Hello, owners of Bronx Pinstripes. I'm a local Yankee fan from New Jersey. My name is Ryan. And I just wanted to let you guys know that after watching the entirety of this game, that three players come to mind and I'm reporting a crime. Isaiah Kainer-Falefa, Claver Torres, and Miguel Andujar have killed something inside of me. Part of me has died because of those three players. I don't know what it is, but they are responsible for it, and I will never get it back. Have a great rest of your night. Bless. Boys, this is, uh, this is Ben from North Carolina. I'm sitting here after this fucking Boston game and I'm making fucking popcorn and I'm sitting here and I'm like, what the fuck are we even doing? I mean, how the fuck did we even get here? This is fucking ridiculous. I mean, it's like we're playing. I'd rather watch the Little League fucking World Series than watch this team right now. For fuck's sake. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.